When planning the road to success, there are a few steps to keep in mind. Identifying and solving the cause, facing and embracing change, goal setting, and being accountable. We'll talk about this today on Sustainable Success with Chris Salem. New and healthier habits lead to prosperity in all areas of your life and business. Now, here's your host, Chris Salem. Well, welcome, everybody. Hope everyone's having a great week uh, where you can have a wonderful guest today. But before we get in, if you're new to Sustainable Success, again, you could also find us on our Facebook page at Sustainable Success 2017. That's Sustainable Success 2017. So in addition to Voice America Influencer Channel, you can find all of the on-demand past episodes of our many great guests. We highly encourage you to check it out because, again, you could go back and listen to it over and over. There is always keywords or or information, wisdom, nuggets, whatever you want to call it, that are going to help escalate your business to the next level and also great for personal development as well. So again, um, our sponsors today for today's show is Empowered Fathers in Action. They are a 501c3 uh, nonprofit organization. They're dedicated to strengthening the father-son bonding process so that boys can become future leaders in their homes in their businesses and communities as they become adults. And this is also for parents and children overall, so boys and girls as well. Again, want to build up higher self-confidence, self-image as they become adults. And this is also a wonderful uh, program that they're offering to parents. Check them out at efamovement.org. Again, that's efamovement.org. Again, um, if you are... Uh, new to sustainable success as well. You want to let you know that the show is broken out into three segments. And again, we uh, can, you could listen to this on demand. It's always available uh, later in the day, uh, which today is Thursday. will be later today after 5 p.m. East Coast time. Today's uh, topic that we're going to be discussing is curiosity, key to improve in engagement, productivity, and innovation. So, you know, everybody is born curious, but, you know, what happens from there? You know, where did we lose that curiosity and why innovation and creativity is the lifeblood of any organization or anybody in general in terms of, you know, getting things done and and really making a difference in our world? But we got the guest today that is going to talk about this in length. And again, if you uh, have any questions, you're more than welcome to call in at 866 472 that's 5794. That's 866 472 5794. Or if listening on demand, send us your questions and we'll be more than happy to make sure they get addressed. So, our guest today is Dr. Diane Hamilton, and she is a nationally syndicated radio host, speaker, moderator, consultant, author, and educator. Through her work as the MBA program chair at the Forbes School of Business and at several other universities, she has taught more than 1,000 business courses. She is the creator of the Curiosity Code Index, CCI, which determines factors that impact curiosity. She's the author of multiple books, one of which was required reading at the University of Arizona, titled It's Not You, It's Your Personality. Her latest book is Cracking the Curiosity Code, The Key to Unlocking Human Potential. And without further ado, we welcome Dr. Diane Hamilton to the show. Welcome, Diane. Well, thank you. I'm so excited to be here, Chris. Looking forward to it. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you. I've been waiting for this show and looking forward to learning all about where, you know, our curiosity, in some cases, where a lot of people have lost it. So 
you know, getting into that, can we let's talk a little bit about curiosity. You know, as as kids, you know, we're always curious, right? When we're children, we ask right. a lot of questions to our to our mom and dad or teachers or adults in general. Talk a little bit about, you know, curiosity as we get into adulthood. Have we really lost our way with curiosity? Well, I think a lot of us have. I think what we found is that the, the research shows that children are very curious, as you mentioned. When you're young, you ask why, 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 and then you get into school, and there's a little more structure. You can't just have somebody there to answer every single question because there's other children, there's a curriculum involved, there's, you know, there's a lot of factors. So we find that uh, what we started with starts to get impacted by several things, and I'll, we'll talk about that in some detail during the show. But that's what led to my interest in this is, you know, some of us seem to be more curious than others, and why is that? And, and it, more importantly to me was, you know, if we aren't as curious, can we develop it? And I, I believe we can, and my research has been really interesting to find out uh, the factors that hold us back, and that's where we start. We figure out what's holding us back and move forward. Well, that's great, and that is so it's so key. So when we talk about, you know, curiosity, you know, just wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, what are some of the ways that, you know, people can kind of get their curiosity back? I mean, a lot of times it sounds like easy to do, right? But but in many cases, it's not. So talk a little bit about that a little bit for the audience. Well, I think, you know, it kind of helps to go back a little bit to explain um, before we could fix it, how we figured out what was wrong with it. <laughs> so let me start with that, because I, I think that anybody who has studied curiosity will see that there's assessments out there that'll tell you if you're curious or if you're not curious or what level your, you know, your curiosity is. But there's nothing really out there to determine what keeps you from being curious. And if you can't determine that, then you don't know how to fix it. And so that was what I started to realize as I started to write this book. Um, I was starting out just thinking, well, I'm going to write about curiosity because it, it was interesting to me to have so many people on my show like you and other great people who have been on my show who are just highly curious, very successful. I have, you know, interviewed everybody from Steve Forbes to billionaire Keith Kroc and, and beyond, and they really represent what I would like for my students to, to try to strive to be. And they what I found is a lot of my students, as you mentioned, I've taught probably close to 2,000. I don't even know how many courses now. Uh, but they, they, a lot of them were really curious, and then others kind of just wanted you to hand them information, and they didn't really want to figure out why. And so that led to my desire to figure out, well, what's holding them back? What, what can we do to improve this? So I did some research. I went through all the statistical analysis of questions and things, you know, to determine a, a questionnaire, basically, similar to, like, uh, if you took an emotional intelligence test or a DISC or MBTI, anybody who's taken any kind of a, you know, valid research instrument knows you answer a certain amount of questions yep. and then it spits out this report, right? So you get this report that'll tell you after answering 36 questions, this is something that's called the Curiosity Code Index, which goes along with the book, The Curiosity Code, uh, Cracking the Curiosity Code. Um, so if you take the Curiosity Code Index, you get this report that'll tell you how four factors impact your curiosity. And those four factors are fear, assumptions, technology, and environment. And how I found those factors, and I promise I'll answer your question, <laughs> but 
but uh, how I found those four factors uh, was, you know, I did a lot of research asking people doing uh, a lot of surveys and really everything kept coming down to these four things where every kind of, every question you'd ask somebody, what holds you back, you know, what keeps you from being curious, all their responses fell into these four areas. And I, I have the acronym FATE to remember it. But so fear, assumptions, technology, and environment. And uh, I really thought it was going to be heavily weighted just towards fear or maybe environment, you know, certain things. But this, it was pretty evenly uh, dispersed uh, at the beginning. You know, I haven't, we've been studying this in thousands of people, but it, yeah. it's just launching now. So it's going to be interesting to see what time will show. But once you get those results, that's when you can move forward. That's when you can help people. And that's when I'm going to get to answering your question about what can you do. Well, what you can do is you, know, you can uh, get your results first so you know where you are. And just like with any uh, assessment, engagement, or otherwise, you need to know what, where everybody stands. And then within the training that we provide, uh, people can take the assessment online. They don't have to go through corporate training to, to receive it. But it's good to do, you know, to do the corporate training if they offer it because there's a lot of training exercises that go along within the actual training program. But if they take it by themselves online, there's also uh, one of the, uh, the assignments that we have them do in the actual corporate training class, which is to set goals and uh, measurable ways to, to overcome the issues that are holding them back. So let's say critical thinking uh, or decision-making or some of these issues are, are problematic for them. A lot of them are tied in to uh, their ability to ask questions and how curious they are because that ties into motivation to drive and everything else. So when they take a training class, they'll develop those kind of skills in addition to just um, the, the basic curiosity skills. But what's really so fascinating is yeah. that... Uh, Every, everything ties in to curiosity. When you talk to leaders and they tell you their top problems, you're going to hear engagement, uh, innovation, productivity, conflict, all those things, and they can all tie back to curiosity. So based on their results, there are a lot of different solutions uh, because there's 36 areas that we're measuring. Wow. So talk about that. I mean, it's 36 areas. I mean, that sounds quite a bit. So talk a little bit about that. I mean, because I'm really curious, because definitely for companies, I mean, I think this is so, so important, especially for organizations where they are in a competitive landscape and it requires them to be uh, innovative, but also fully engaged with their audience and producing at a, a higher quality. Right, right. Well, you know, I think that a lot of people uh, really know that there's, issues with emotional intelligence, with yeah. uh, soft skills, with, you know, you name it, uh, they all tie back into what we're trying to talk about here. So if you look at, let's just talk, start with fear, because that's yeah. a big one a lot of people can relate to. Uh, a lot of people are, they fear looking stupid, right? Nobody, <laughs> nobody wants to have a bad past experience happened to them where they, you know, it had, didn't have the answer. They looked incompetent. They may, or it didn't even have to happen. I mean, most of what we think, what we fear will happen doesn't happen. And uh, it's just something we build up in our head that, oh, what, what if, what if, what if. So uh, some of it, you know, a lot of it ties into failure, uh, fear of embarrassment, fear of loss of control. So some of the things we're looking at, you know, some of them are competitive. They don't want to look bad against somebody else. They may have had a past bad experience. Uh, 
their family may have pressured them to succeed. You, you know, you just don't know. There's so much tied into rejection and feeling unprepared. And, and some of it just may be fear of the change. A lot of people don't like the unknown. So as they go through these questions, if they have any kind of uh, issues with any of these, these nine sub areas within the, the factor of fear, these questions, these nine questions, and then they'll get feedback based on that area. This is, you know, what this problem is, and here's something to consider uh, based on what we've seen, you know, how to solve yep. this. So then they, they, they get a lot of uh, content that helps them develop their action plan. So if uh, after fear in, in their report, they'll see something called action plan for fear, and they'll get an example of an issue that someone might have, and then they'll t- an example of a goal and how to overcome it with possible outcomes and how to use support systems and overcoming potential threats. And so we, we give a lot of feedback, like this is what we'd like you to create, this type of a, a goal and a plan based on this issue. So for whatever issues they have, then they can create their own because they have a guideline for how to do that. And they, that same action plan is something that they will see in every one of the um, four areas. So as you go on to assumptions, uh, let's just think of some assumptions would be, uh, you know, the little voice in your head is a good way to think of assumptions. Yeah, like the, the inner know, critic, it's, it's, right? Like an inner critic. Or, or an inner critic, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, see, I know that oh, one. Well, I wrote a book on that. <laughs> oh, that's right. I, yeah. it, isn't that funny? That is so great. Yes, you did. And I, I tell you what, when the inner critic is exactly what it is, it's that I, I'm not going to be interested. I'm, I'm, you know, some of it's apathy and laziness, perhaps, mm. but some of it is, you know, we think it's too much work. It's not necessary. Uh, it, w- what is it going to get me? Uh, it's easier not doing this. You know, I mean, you get, there's a lot of it, but a lot of it is that inner critic that we, we listen to. And, and nobody knows better than you how to overcome that. <laughs> but we do give them some. Uh, feedback as far as, you know, each of the nine sub areas underneath assumptions. Uh, and as they, they look at that, they're able to develop their strategies um, because a lot of it just, they, they might think too much is expected of them that they don't want to, you know, get into. And that could tie into to something that they've had in the past where they were just dumped information on them and they didn't like it. You know, see, it's a lot of it is about answering, I mean, starting a dialogue, I should say, uh, to to just to, to uncover what it is that's keeping people from wanting to do more than they can do, because a lot of it is based on just past experience. And then, of course, they do their action plan, and they can do uh, that for all four. But then for technology, technology is a little different. Technology um, can overlap, and you know, all of these can overlap. I mean, you could have fear of technology, for example. But yep. a lot of times, tech, we, we're used to technology doing things for us, and that can be, um, you know, we, we just figure, well, why do we need to know it? She's just going to answer it if we ask our phone or, you know, or we just aren't aware of possibilities sometimes. And a lot of people just, the, the change is just overwhelming. It keeps changing. They just learned it. Now they got to learn it again. And so they just don't bother. And uh, some of it is, you know, a lot of it requires critical thinking skills. And mm. some of it's just information overload. So we go through all of the nine factors again and, um, Technology, and you go through the uh, the training just to come up with uh, the action plan for that. And then uh, and environment is 
uh, one that I think is huge for so many people because it includes everything from your childhood, parents, teachers, friends, siblings, uh, uh, social media. I mean, you think about it, everything impacts you. I mean, if you were cloned right now and they raised you again, the same parents, you're still going to be a completely different person because it's not going to be the exact same situation, right? It's not. You have a different environment, correct. Right. Everything's even the same. You know, that's why siblings, everybody's different, you know? And so uh, a lot of times... Uh, the things we took take a look at, and you know, an education teachers had to teach to the test. Maybe they had a lot of kids to deal with. Maybe what you're asking had nothing to do with anything they're teaching. Uh, and then at work, you might had somebody, you know, bad experience. Not even in this current job. Maybe in a past job where uh, they were given a lot of work, but they never were paid for it. You just don't know. You know what I mean? What what somebody's gone through. And then you know, your family, your peers, your friends. You, some, a lot of times families can push people in certain directions because the family's always done this or they've always been interested in that and why aren't you, you know? And so if you like something different, you can sometimes be shamed sometimes. And, you know, people like to be liked. They want to have relationships and they just sometimes go with the flow because it's easier than rocking the boat. (laughs) So I think that that kind of gives you an idea of what to expect uh, if you take the assessment online by yourself. We go into much more uh, detail in the courses, you know, if, they, if you would yeah. take this from like an HR professional or a leadership consultant because it gets into leadership uh, reporting and, and things that they can really help for organizations. But it, it's, it's very helpful for the individual to take it on their own as well. Oh, absolutely. And, and Diane, what would be like if somebody were because we're going to want to you know, we'll list the uh, the URL where people could take the assessment, uh, not only on the show, but we'll absolutely list it on the uh, page. You know, how long would something like this take? Because, again, you know, it, this is really where you have to be transparent and honest with yourself. But what would realistically would be the time frame for somebody that would take this assessment individually? Well, I think a lot, uh, this assessment doesn't take very long to take. You know, you can okay. take it 15, 20 minutes. It's just like any other personality assessment type of thing. It's pretty quick. Okay. But the actual creating the action plan and, and that type of thing, when I train the trainers to give this as a, you know, a certification course uh, that I yep. offer, uh, we allow an hour or so for the, this part of the, you know, tr- the training, but that's only to do their top three issues. So if they went through nine issues, you know, that it might take them three times that. So uh, it, it just depends how many issues they have and how much detail they want to spend uh, doing this. But basically, uh, in the training courses, what I've done for the certification part of it for Train the Trainers, we're going to offer an on-demand four-hour uh, training course for them to be able to be certified to give this. And that's how long it, they could take to, you know, if they're training somebody else, or they could make it longer, but that would be the minimum. Would be four hours. Four hours. Okay, great. Wow, yeah. this is yeah. uh, this is great. Uh, I mean, great stuff here. So again, uh, audience, if you are listening, and again, you if you're in the corporate world, this is really key because again, assessments are really going to give you an idea of where you are right now, and then you know, then you have a course that you could take to develop a plan, which we're going to learn here in a little bit of how you can really go forward to really, uh, you know, maximize your curiosity, so to speak, and, you know, make those improvements in what you do uh, for better engagement, productivity, and innovation. Again, you're listening to Dr. Diane Hamilton. Again, we're talking about curiosity, key to improving engagement, productivity, and innovation here on the Sustainable Success Radio Show. 
But we have to go to break, so we'll be right back. What is balance? It's being true to your purpose and not being distracted by shiny objects, surrounding yourself with family and loved ones, nurturing your spirituality, maintaining healthy balance of emotional and physical wellness, and being present in the moment. Chris Salem creates awareness about unblocking mindset barriers for sales professionals, business leaders, entrepreneurs, and all types of people to have sustainable success at the next level. The solution evolves out of the problem or challenge. The issue is that many people and businesses manage the effect but do not address the root cause. You now have an opportunity to live your life and operate your business in the solution rather than the effect of your challenges. Schedule a time to chat about your goals and the person you desire to be by going to ChristopherSalem.com. We have group consulting calls, one-on-one, and other programs to assist you. It will be the best thing you do for yourself to see how sustainable success is possible for you in your life and business. Join us at the next level. Visit ChristopherSalem.com. What is balance? It's being true to your purpose and not being distracted by shiny objects. Surrounding yourself with family and loved ones. Nurturing your spirituality. Maintaining a healthy balance of emotional and physical wellness. And being present in the moment. Chris Salem creates awareness about eliminating limited beliefs or unblocking mindset barriers for entrepreneurs, sales professionals, business leaders, and professional athletes to have sustainable success at the next level. The solution evolves out of resolving the root cause to the problem. The issue is that many people and businesses manage the problem but do not address the root cause to it. You now have the opportunity to live your life and operate your business in the solution rather than the effect of your challenges. Schedule a time to chat about your goals and the person you desire to be by going to ChristopherSalem.com. We have group consultation calls, one-on-one, and other programs to assist you. It will be the best thing you do for yourself to see how sustainable success is possible for you in your life and business. Join us at the next level. Visit ChristopherSalem.com. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. You are listening to Sustainable Success with Chris Salem. Call into our program today at 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or send an email to Chris at ChristopherSalem.com. Now... Back to Sustainable Success. Welcome back. Here we are with Dr. Diane Hamilton. Again, she is the originator of the Curiosity Code Index. Again, she's a nationally syndicated radio host, speaker, moderator, consultant, author, and educator. And again, uh, she is uh, known through her work through the Forbes School of Business and several other universities. Again, we're talking about curiosity key to improving engagement productivity and innovation and if you're just joining us again you can listen to the first leg of the segment here on demand later today after 5 p.m east coast time so diane let's get into again a little bit more about talking about curiosity in itself and you know some of the research that's gone into this particular area and where we are today well, you know, it was really interesting to me to read the books that were associated with curiosity. Even if they weren't titled something that said curiosity in it, you might read Daniel Pink's Drive or, you know, Simon Sinek's books about finding your why type of things. You know, I mean, there's a lot of books that focus on things that are curiosity-based. 
But a lot of them are motivation-based and not necessarily curiosity-based. Um, and then a lot of the research out there, I think the thing that surprised me the most about, about the research was that all of it, I think I, I said a little bit about this, is it's more about whether you are or you aren't, you know, how much curiosity you have instead of um, what keeps you from being curious. And the big... The background I, I really uh, researched, of course, the big five factors are, are very uh, big in the terms of personality assessment, and there's one of the factors is called openness to experience. But that also, in addition to curiosity, includes creativity, imagination, and pursuit of self-actualization. And it's, it's not necessarily anything that I wanted to, re, to try and redo because it already was there, and it didn't look... Um, at the things that held you back. And again, that's really what I wanted because like Harvard Business Review published a curiosity profile assessment. Uh, Todd Cashton, he's got a CEI, which is a curiosity and exploration inventory, I think is what that stands for. And then uh, Jordan Littman had a STCI. I mean, there's, there's so many different curiosity scales. And I think those are really important because you're measuring if, you know, correlations between curiosity and this and that. But I, I didn't see anything that was measuring what was keeping people back, uh, back from being yeah. curious. And so that was where I wanted to start. I, I hired psychometric statisticians, and then I ended up doing my factor analysis. And, and uh, actually, my work for all that has been in a peer-reviewed journals now. So it's a valid assessment that's been peer-reviewed. And the work that I did to do that is out there. And that's really what I wanted because, you know, I mean, I am a... A researcher and was you know in universities and I didn't want it to be just a quick little online uh, fun thing to do. I wanted it to be something that organizations could take seriously and researchers could take seriously. And so, um, you know, curiosity is, is something that if you look in the news and you read what leaders are saying about it, I mean, it's just uh, the attention that that it's getting right now from just me writing this is is. Staggering because if you, you you can see the Warren uh, Buffett and the Bill Gates of the world, they always say you know curiosity is one of their things that made them so successful. So I, I think that a lot of people um, in the back of their mind they know this curiosity thing. This is important, but they they really hadn't uh, spent much time thinking about how to develop it. And I think now what we you know with the changes in you know, what's coming in the world uh, with technology, we're going to need to develop uh, curiosity more now than ever before. Yeah. So, you know, taking a look at this, I mean, if we're, it, it, let's say you're an organization, it could be any size. I mean, uh, just based upon what you stated, why would they care about this specifically for their, them, their organization, their people, their, you know, where they're going with their business? Well, I think, it, you know, organizations, uh, leadership, uh, consultants, HR, everybody cares about this because it, everything ties back to curiosity. Yep. And organizations are not trained to handle this. Develop, you know, uh, Vern Harnish was one of the people who reviewed my uh, work, and he's the founder of Entrepreneurs Organization, and he said that uh, basically my work of developing curiosity could foreseeably be the next movement to enhance human performance. I mean, this is similar to what we saw emotional intelligence doing uh, in the 80s, 90s, until now, right? So I, I think organizations all know they want to be productive. They want to get there, and they know they need to be innovative, but they don't really know what's holding them back. And so you, you talk to these leaders and you say, you know, what is it that um, 
is your biggest headache. You know, and you'll hear, you know, all those things, critical thinking, conflict resolution, uh, teamwork, you know, issues with millennials and boomers. I mean, everything keeps coming back to these different um, factors that are all the sparks by curiosity. So curiosity is really a, a desire to know more or learn something, right? You've, you've got an interest that leads you to go to the next step. You need that to get to motivation. And motivation, then you have a reason for acting, you know, in, in a certain way. And then that's when you can become creative, which is you're using your imagination to come up with original ideas. That leads to innovation. So that's, you know, you're going to create new methods, new products, new ideas. And if you do that, then, of course, you're going to be more productive, which leads to more money. And, you know, you're more competitive. And right now, everybody's looking to be relevant in, in leadership consulting business. They've all given the disc. They've all given emotional intelligence and engagement and everything else out there. And those solve some problems, but they don't solve all the problems. And this solves more problems. And that's what I think is really fascinating to me. Because if you look at... Um, if you're trying to figure out how you're getting to innovation and, and why leaders and companies are going to care, I mean, there's two types of curiosity. There's trait, which is internal, and yep. state, which is external. Okay, so you're, you've got this internal trait curiosity, which is what we're talking about, as compared to the external where something flew by and you're like, well, that's kind of cool. How'd that fly like that? You know, I mean, it's just quick, perceptual, and it's gone. But epistemic trait, internal curiosity is what I'm talking about. And that, you know, you can get off, uh, topic and start being motivated by boredom and just go aimlessly and not be productive. And, and that's not what we're wanting. We want people to be very specific, acquiring knowledge and be goal-oriented yeah. and problem-focused. And that's why we're creating action plans to get them there, not just saying, well, I'm going to learn to read more, you know, <laughs> it's very vague and, you know, you, you can't do that. You want it to be very specific. So I think organizations all know that to be competitive, they've got to continue to strive to compete. Because if you ask organizations, you know, what are your pain points? You ask leaders, right? And some of the statistics you might find interesting. Um, I'm just going to think of a couple of them for you if, that's, if you have time. Uh, yeah, please 79% do. percent of people who quit their jobs cite lack of appreciation as a reason oh, for yeah. leaving. That's common. Yeah, 58% of managers said they didn't receive any management training. 25% of adults uh, in the U.S. did not read a single book last year. So if you're having problems with leadership, soft skills, EI, lack of engagement, communication, look at those figures for one thing. And then now that we're talking about the worry that they have about uh, artificial intelligence replacing jobs and remaining innovative, uh, 50% of the jobs that exist today will be automated, right, in the next 20 years. And then 88% of the Fortune 500 firms that existed in 1955 are gone. So uh, organizations know they're going to have all these people that are going to be out of work. Where are they going to put them? What are we going to do? And it, it's so interesting. I actually interviewed the father of artificial intelligence uh, about a week or two ago, and Jürgen Schmidhuber, he was so interesting. But his <laughs> technology is in 3 billion uh, devices right now. And, you know, he has no doubt that it's going to take over and eventually uh, will you know, expand out into the entire galaxy, he thinks, you know. And so, you know, we're going to definitely eventually be to the point where our jobs will be taken over to some extent in our lifetime, you know, now. But it, it right now, what just like in the past, it's still at the point where 
something's going to be taken away, but we, we, somebody has to operate the new thing, you know, and the jobs that exist today, uh, when I was in um, software sales in the 80s, we never knew you could be a social media manager. I mean, who would have thought that, right? <laughs> so you don't know what jobs are going to be out there, but the only way you can get to the jobs that are really uh, well aligned for you is to find out what it really interests you. And if you shut down that ability to ask those questions and to to seek out uh, information that you're not going to ever be really truly engaged or happy with what you do because you're you're living a kind of a false existence and that's what I'm trying to to overcome gotcha and and like when you talked about this like artificial intelligence like you know again this could be eliminating jobs in the future but you know again it's always going to come back on people but people need to step up like you said, and be able to find other ways that they can leverage their strengths to add value. It might not be in what their current role is. Is that kind of something like where you see organizations, you know, you know, investigating, looking for those options and when that happens? Well, I think that, yes. And I think that a lot of people are opening their minds to different um, possibilities. I had Olin Odekoven yeah. on my show recently, who is the leader at, um, Peregrine uh, Leadership, uh, he's a um, very interesting guy. He spoke for us at Forbes, and he was telling me he hires people if he thinks that he could tell they'd be really good employees, even if he doesn't know what they, he doesn't really have a job in mind for them yet. He wants to see what they're good at first and what they show uh, promise to do, and then he'll build a job around them. And he's a genius. Really different. (laughs) I know. I like his thinking. You can afford it, (laughs) (laughs) but it's something that not everybody can afford to do. But I think that we're going to start seeing that people need to ask people. uh, I mean, leaders need to ask their employees. You know, what is it that you really find interesting? Have you ever thought of trying this? And and more cross training and more. openness to thinking outside the box. I mean, in some of the things I found just in writing uh, the book, you know, I looked at some of the ideas that come up are just so fascinating. I mean, I had, a, you know, an example in the book of a hospital in, in London, England's uh, Great Ormond Street Hospital, where they had treated, you know, heart patients and they were experiencing like all these casualties and because they weren't really transferring from one unit to another well. And one of the physicians was watching a Formula One race uh, and was just, like, blown away by how fast the pit crews could service everything, right? They did it, like, seven seconds or less, and they couldn't do it at the hospital. And he thought, well, I'll bring them in, have them look at things, and have them observe. And what, they gave some recommendations, and they reduced the hospital's errors by more than 50%. So, you know, there's a lot of examples of not just, you know, we worry about thinking outside of our silo, but they're thinking outside the industry, the company, everything, right? And... You know, some of the greatest inventions ever were things that nobody even thought of or even fun inventions. I mean, uh, the microwave oven um, was invented because of a guy having a chocolate bar in his pocket, (laughs) getting too close to it, realizing it melted it. And uh, that that if you realize that some of the things that we have from Play-Doh to Teflon to Velcro um, weren't created for what you think they were created. I mean, yeah. I love the the uh, the Velcro. The guy just went out with his dog and found burrs on it. It would come off and looked at it under the microscope and go, ah, this hook and eye movement, and maybe I can replicate that. 
So, you know, you just never know what kinds of things if you really allow your curiosity to, to uh, just be free, to not be encumbered by people making you feel bad for asking questions or for uh, offering solutions. And, you know, sometimes they say no question is a dumb question, but then their actions make you feel dumb. Well, I mean, so I'd may- like to that for that. To yeah. <laughs> Well, you, you really nailed it. I mean, you talked about, I mean, curiosity, when you talked about, again, sometimes certain things were, were discovered by, you know, curiosity for some, some other uh, objective and now, but yet it's being used in something else that we are all well aware of. But that would have that right. been the case. I mean, this is where curiosity plays an important role. And you made an important point about people. I mean, I love this guy that you had on where he would hire someone and granted, not every organization has this flexibility. But, you know, to fi- hire someone based upon their, their strengths and their skills and to find something eventually that they could build around to maximize that person's skills. And, you know, you think about teams like, and I always equate it to sports because I'm a big sports buff, like, you know, the New England uh-huh. Patriots. This is why they're so successful because they can take an average guy and then maybe some guys that might be a little better than, you know, than some of the others and then really leverage that and build something around that so their skills could be transferable in other positions. And this is why they're able to, you know, be using curiosity, they're able to always get into the postseason and win. In this case, they won the Super Bowl this year. So it, it's just, it's so true. And, you know, I know we have a couple minutes left to the break, but, you know, you know, can you just talk about what, what we just finished, what you finished off on with that, what separates orga- organizations from others when it comes to curiosity? Well, you, you brought up something I'd like to touch on because I think it's interesting that you said, you know, they hire based on skills. And a lot of companies do that. They hire people for their hard skills and they fire people for their behaviors. And yeah. we want to hire people based on their skills, but to, to have those skills be really solid, you have to have behaviors uh, uh, in there as well. And that's why everybody's focusing on soft skills. And this ties into all that because think about emotional intelligence. Um, you know, part of emotional intelligence is empathy and interpersonal skills and those type of things. And if you don't, I, I wrote my dissertation on emotional intelligence and its impact on performance. So it's really interesting. If you don't ask questions, you, how can you be empathetic? How can you understand somebody from their perspective? How can you have good interpersonal skills if you can't communicate in a, in a good way? And all of that comes back to knowing how to ask questions, when to ask questions, having curiosity about other people. And I, I think that that's so key to success. Yeah, no, that's so true. So true. And and, and I love the fact that you made it important you know, with the, the soft skills, the emotional intelligence, because, again, you could have somebody with great skills and, you know, it looks good on paper and perhaps maybe in a certain environment that they were in, they were able to do well. But now they're in a, in a new environment and this requires a, a different way of of behavior in terms of adapting and if they are not able to adapt to this this environment with that with the behavior that they have that's not conducive to that environment then it doesn't work the skills mean nothing so that's so important so you know we have about a minute left i mean what would what would an organization do in that case to kind of establish maybe get an idea how the behavior aligns with their skills overall well, I think it all begins first at the top that you have the right culture and if, if the culture isn't embraced at the top with the CEO uh, you can't 
have a, a good alignment within, you know, within yeah. the organization. A lot of people try to fix it from the bottom up, and it doesn't often happen. So I, I think culture is a huge thing, a culture of, of embracing curiosity and buying into the, the need that this needs to be something that we embrace for the whole organization. And if you do, that we, you know, we'll, uh, by example show, we'll ask questions that normally we wouldn't ask because we were fearful as a leader. And by example, we'll show that we think that this is important. We want you to, to do the same. Yeah, so true. God, it's powerful stuff. So, you know, everybody listening here, you know, it's really important that, again, you know, when you're looking at your skills, you know, you got to make sure that you, you look at the your behavior as well. And I, same thing for the organizations, that it always starts from the top down and, and, and vice versa. You know, everybody's got to play a part. And, and I would say that, you know, Dr. Dan, communication plays an important role here, um, you know, both ways. Um, effective Very communication, much. active listening. Um, you know, these are all conducive to emotional intelligence, but also what you're talking about here today with curiosity. Because if, uh, if an organization is going to improve engagement, productivity, and innovation, that means they have to fully develop people to, you know, maximize their strengths. And that uh, also is, you know, putting them in situations that their behaviors will adapt to that in a, in a good way. So, so true. Again, uh, you're, if you're just joining us, you're listening to Dr. Diane Hamilton. Again, she's a nationally syndicated radio host, speaker, moderator, consultant, author, and educator. And again, also very well known through the her, her work through the Forbes School of Business and several other universities. Again, we're talking about uh, curiosity, the keys to improving engagement, productivity, and innovation. We're going to have to go to break, but we'll be right back. What is balance? It's being true to your purpose and not being distracted by shiny objects. Surrounding yourself with family and loved ones. Nurturing your spirituality. Maintaining a healthy balance of emotional and physical wellness. And being present in the moment. Chris Salem creates awareness about eliminating limited beliefs or unblocking mindset barriers for entrepreneurs, sales professionals, business leaders, and professional athletes to have sustainable success at the next level. The solution evolves out of resolving the root cause to the problem. The issue is that many people and businesses manage the problem but do not address the root cause to it. You now have the opportunity to live your life and operate your business in the solution rather than the effect of your challenges. Schedule a time to chat about your goals and the person you desire to be by going to ChristopherSalem.com. We have group consultation calls, one-on-one, and other programs to assist you. It will be the best thing you do for yourself to see how sustainable success is possible for you in your life and business. Join us at the next level. Visit ChristopherSalem.com. What is balance? It's being true to your purpose and not being distracted by shiny objects, surrounding yourself with family and loved ones, nurturing your spirituality, maintaining a healthy balance of emotional and physical wellness, and being present in the moment. Chris Salem creates awareness about unblocking mindset barriers for sales professionals, business leaders, entrepreneurs, and all types of people to have sustainable success at the next level. The solution evolves out of the problem or challenge. The issue is that many people and businesses manage the effect but do not address the root cause. 
You now have an opportunity to live your life and operate your business in the solution rather than the effect of your challenges. Schedule a time to chat about your goals and the person you desire to be by going to ChristopherSalem.com. We have group consulting calls, one-on-one, and other programs to assist you. It will be the best thing you do for yourself to see how sustainable success is possible for you in your life and business. Join us at the next level. Visit ChristopherSalem.com. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to Sustainable Success with Chris Salem. Call into our program today at 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or send an email to Chris at ChristopherSalem.com. Now, back to Sustainable Success. Well, welcome back again. We're here with Dr. Diane Hamilton. We're talking about curiosity, keys to improving engagement, productivity, and innovation. Again, if you're just joining us, you can listen to the first two segments of our show today on demand at the Voice America Influencers channel, uh, looking up Sustainable Success, or at um, Facebook at Sustainable Success 2017. So, Dr. Diane, I wanted to, we, we kind of left off a little bit at the end. We were talking about active listening, but I, I know this ties into critical thinking. Can you talk about the critical thinking uh, as an important activity to what we're talking about today, improving, you know, the keys to improving engagement, productivity, and innovation through curiosity? Sure. I'd like to just add something to what you had said about the importance of um, active listening. Sure. Uh, I know with my students, um, we often have a lot of students who want to copy and paste uh, content, you know, in the core, and not just plagiarizing, but um, when they try to just cite things word for word, like big chunks of citations, and then I, I've seen papers where almost the whole paper is uh, completely just uh, cited from somebody else's work, and we call that patchworking, but basically that doesn't demonstrate that anybody's learned anything. It just tells me they're really good at copying and pasting and putting quotation marks around things, but uh, what I, with active listening, it's kind of the same thing. If you if you've just copied and pasted what somebody's said into your mind and you haven't really digested it, you, you don't know if you've understood what they have said. And so I have my graduate students and doctoral students, they have to paraphrase citations because that shows me that they can put things into their own words and put it out into paper in a, in their, you know, taking what the original author said and saying, this is what I got from this. And then citing that author, of course, still. And that's what I think people need to kind of get in the habit of in their mind when they're listening. Uh, and when they, think, when they speak with somebody who's just told them something very important, it's kind of important to, to paraphrase it back to them and not exactly word for word, but in a way that shows you've digested what they've yeah. said. And that all ties into showing that, you know, I've heard you. This is what I think I understand. Am I correct? And that is kind of what we want when we're teaching students because we're trying to teach them critical thinking skills. We want them to, you know, objectively analyze and evaluate something and to make a decision. And how can you do that if you don't truly understand what you've read or you've heard, right? So this is what we're looking at. What we're, We found, you know, research, and I think it was like 2016, found that curiosity was, you know, has a huge impact on decision-making. And if you can pique people's curiosity... You, you have the ability to, to increase their, your, the behaviors that you're trying to improve, right? So if you 
you might want uh, to allow people to explore ideas or to um, to look into issues that could benefit the whole organization. And that's what I was trying to do with and one of the exercises in the uh, training program I was talking about with that uh, HR professionals and leadership consultants and people who want to become certified to give the CCI they, what they can um, learn. And we go through a lot of the top topics, and let's just use critical thinking since you asked about that, but, you know, there's a lot of them that we cover in that topic. And what I have them do is come up with a couple of ideas that they can present to leaders. This is, you know, employees in the room that if they were had taken this, they would, you know, what could they do? to help the, um, the leaders help them become better critical thinkers. So we talk about what critical thinking means, and then we might give a, an, an example, like say maybe tell your, uh, your leader that it would help you if you could present a topic at a weekly meeting where you include ways to improve maybe performance of a task or become an expert on an interest that maybe you're interested in but no one else knows about. But you'd ha- still have to do research and do critical thinking to put it together because there's no better way to learn it, right, than to teach it. So, you know, you, you let them start with a topic that really interests them but requires them research to kind of help them build those critical thinking skills. And I, I think that that's, that can be very challenging for a lot of people because they, they don't really know um, how to organize information and do things if they haven't done that before. Yeah. So I, I have some questions that I tell them, you know, to think about, like, you know, how does this tie into your goal and what kind of patterns and themes have you seen? And, and was there some kind of outdated thinking that was, or was it more a status quo uh, embraced and how should, how should that be rethought, you know, and things like that. So, I, I have uh, a lot of handouts on, on things like that that I give in the training to help them. And I think it's really important that they have ways of coming to conclusions based on what they've researched so that they think in a critical way. And so in this training course, not only do they do it for critical thinking, but they do it for leadership, for uh, all the things we talked about, innovative uh, thinking and everything else. And if all the people in the training class have come up with two ideas for each of these to give to the trainer... Uh, for ways for leaders to help the organization improve, then, you know, that's going back to leadership from after the training that's, of course, been um, put together in a great report from the consultant or HR professional. But it's doing a lot of the work for leaders uh, because the employees are giving them what it's, they know will help them. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And, you know, and, and what do you think in terms of critical thinking? I mean, how I mean, how many organizations do you feel really, truly understand this area and how many are actually? Well, I, think, uh, I know I don't have numbers for you exactly, but oh, I no, it doesn't have any numbers, but like I, just like collectively. Yeah. Just in general. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. Well, I think the majority think that critical thinking is important, but how they how they know how to. To, to enforce that and help people yeah. develop it is very limited. And I think that people need to be able to use analogies and, and understand what they've learned and see how somebody from other backgrounds and genders and, you know, may, may look at what they've come up with in a different way. And all that requires that, that analysis, that thinking, that, that, you know, we try to teach that in, in universities. We try to make sure that people have a, a strong foundation, but it doesn't always 
get filtered into all courses or all universities where I've taught. And I think that a lot of companies are hoping that the people they hire have a lot of skills. And when they get them, they hire them for their hard skills, as we mentioned in the past. But these squishy soft skills, these, these things that are hard to put a, you know, your finger on, uh, is that sometimes is what holds up the organization because they don't really have the training in place to help on a lot of these things. And I think that having discussions like this about ramifications of doing things and conversations that need to take place, and those are kinds of things that probably don't happen in college, to be honest with you. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. But I think organizations need to look for the kinds of the gaps in the literature is what we say when we're teaching like our students to do their doctoral dissertations. Where are the gaps that, that you could really help with if you research this? And leaders need to look for the gaps in our skills of what our, as employees, what we come in with, what we don't really have, and what they can offer to help us. Because I think it's, it, there's not enough in, uh, in yeah, I, how do I want to put this? There's just not enough focus on uh, the the cost involved with some of this mm, stuff, and, yes. and there should be. I mean, you look at the engagement numbers, and they're losing what five hundred billion and up uh, a year yep. due to lack of engagement. And if if engagement, you know, is a, if for people to be truly engaged, one of the solutions is to find out. How am I doing? What am I doing that ties into the organization's overall goals? And if people don't know that, you know, maybe they have, they're not curious enough to ask, but, but they really do want to know. And so this is not being communicated, and it's causing an impact on how well they really, um, you know, are aligned to their jobs maybe. You know, it, it, there's this, discommun- this miscommunication, this disconnect uh, that a lot of leaders know there's a problem, but... A lot of them don't know what it is. And I think that's why this book's getting so much attention. I mean, I was fortunate to have Steve Forbes write something nice and, you know, all the people like Ken Fisher. I've had several billionaires have written really nice things. You know, and it's, you know, the reason they're billionaires and the reason they're so successful is because they understand this stuff. They they know that this is what it is. And, you know, Keith Crock, who wrote the foreword of my book, just was uh, named uh, Leader of the Year for 2019 by Harvard. And he is one of the most curious people I know. He is uh, one of those people that will just be so humble and say, you know, I, I don't know everything, and my team is, you know, is the best, and we work together. And leaders have to become more humble, in my opinion, and realize that a lot of them have that imposter syndrome. They're worried about it. But, and you know, as you said, and I saw it on your website, I love it. Um, I've not failed. I've just found 10,000 ways that it won't work, uh, according to Tom Jettison. <laughs> I think I have that quote yep. in my book, too. Yeah. And, you know, it, we got to look at failure a little differently than we did in the past, because it's a learning lesson, and I'm seeing millennials and younger generations look at it as that. And the word failure is becoming less of a sharp, mean word than it was when I first entered the workplace. And oh, I think yeah. that we're learning more than we ever did. It's the stepping stones to success. It's the persistence through the failures. And that's how you have to look at it and that you're learning from each failure, that you're not repeating the same mistakes. And that's the key. So that is so, so important here and and so forth. So, I mean, this is a subject that is so, I mean, to me, so important, Dr. Diane, you know, critical thinking. I, and I think, as you mentioned, this is what separates certain leaders from others and organizations that are incorporating this uh, on a mass level, you know, it, you don't need to have all the stats and the numbers to figure out what 
difference this is making. It's really believing and having faith in it and knowing that in the long run, it will work, you know, that you have to, you know, this has to be, you know, from the top down, so to speak. So I want to thank you for joining us today. I mean, sharing your words of wisdom and all the insights. Um, I would like to let, you know, the listeners know where they can find you, what you're up to and where they can find you and so forth. Well, I'm just about everywhere, but my main website, well, the website that they probably should go to first if they're interested in curiosity is curiositycode.com. From there, they could uh, get to my main website, which is drdianehamilton.com. But at uh, curiositycode.com, you have access to the book, the assessment, and we're going to be launching uh, within the next couple of weeks the certification training for leaders and consultants and HR professionals, anybody who wants to take it. Uh, and that is uh, really exciting because I've given those in-person courses, but this is going to be on demand so they could take it whenever they want from wherever they want. And uh, that is going to be a four-hour training course where they'll get five hours of uh, SHRM certification training. Uh, it's on, you know, SHRM's having me come speak at the SHRM convention in Vegas this summer. So we're going to talk more there. We're going to do another SHRM chat in April. So there's a lot of uh, interest in this, and uh, you can find me on all the social media sites at Dr. Diane Hamilton. So that's D-R-D-I-A-N-E-H-A-M-I-L-T-O-N, and I'm on all the sites. And you can also email me at Diane at drdianehamilton.com. Well, Dr. Diane, I can't thank you enough. Again, we'll make sure everybody that we will put up the URL again, curiositycode.com, and of course, uh, drdianehamilton.com. But again, uh, we'll make sure that we have this up for your, uh, so that you can refer to this and check it out if you happen to be an HR manager, somebody uh, in corporate that is going to invent wants to investigate this this will be definitely worth checking out again thank you dr diane and thank you uh listeners each and every week joining us we can't thank you enough we hope that you have a, 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 a prosperous rest of your week and again we'll be back here here on valentine's day yeah all right so we're gonna have some great <laughs> content for you on valentine's day and again enjoy the rest of your day and we'll be back next week Thank you for tuning in to Sustainable Success. Be sure to join Chris Salem and his guests every Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Have an incredible week.